Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Timothy Plain. And I'm Alark Purcell. Each week we discuss filmmaking topics and give you our point of view on them, not as experts, but as two filmmakers trying to figure it out for ourselves. How are you feeling today? You uh, still sick? Yeah, a little bit. I'm feeling better, but I'm sounding worse, apparently. So uh, that's weird. <laughs> But uh, I just wanted to call that out right away so people knew that they're going to be listening to Alric. Yeah. Alric's like kind of deep, gruff voice. Well, it's our, it, your voice is already deep and gruff, but that now it's going to be like <laughs> the, an extra layer of it. Right, right. Well, I do, I do say, I do sound better than I did yesterday, but it's still, yeah, it's pretty bad. Can you say, Luke, I am your father? Luke, I am your father. That's <laughs> no, not quite not quite no. deep enough. No, I didn't even I didn't even do anything to it either. I didn't try to drop it down. So I don't know. Anyways, um, but yeah, man, what's going on with you? Well, I know there's a lot going on with us in general, but uh, that's like the main. Yeah, topic. I think that's where we should start because no one knows what we're doing. We did we released one tweet about two weeks ago saying we were working together on something, but I think this is the podcast to say officially. Ulrich and I are working together on another project, um, and it started about two weeks ago. I got an email from a band that I had done a treatment for a few years ago, and they asked if I wanted to direct a music video for them. Um, it was a very great email because it, it said exactly what they were looking for. They had a story idea. They had the amount of money they wanted to spend, and that allowed me to kind of like decide whether or not I could pursue it. Because the first time around... When we talk, they're like, you want to do a music video for us? And I was like, yeah. And then they said, cool, well, here's a song. Go write a treatment. And I wrote this amazing treatment with like robots. It was like a robot stripper. Oh, wow. And it was it was so cool. It was like Blade Runner meets Strip Joint. Wow. And then they loved it. They thought it was an awesome treatment. But then when we put money to it, it was like $20,000. Or it wasn't you know too expensive, but it was expensive enough that they're like, nope. We don't have that. We were thinking one thousand dollars. Well, robot so. strippers—you can't really get that for a thousand dollars, can you? <laughs> no, that's hard. So was, we are trying to figure out: like, is that a full CG thing, or is that like a woman with uh, practical stuff that's glued to her to make her seem robotic? And you know, everything's expensive, though. As soon as you get into that world, uh, the, any anything in the sci-fi world get, starts to get really expensive. Unless you just figure out creative ways to like get there, you know, without having to spend a ton of money. Right. Which is kind of what we're doing, although we are spending some money, but not a lot, you know, for what we're getting, I think. So that's that's kind of nice. Yeah. So the the idea that they came to me with was uh, a guy builds a time machine to escape this future that he doesn't like and trying to get to like a better place. And there's three members of the band and they all wanted to be in it and they all wanted like their individual characters and they're being chased by these dark agents. And uh, in the end they escaped through this machine. It was kind of like the general story. So I said, yeah, I'm interested because the exciting thing for me was this wasn't, this was exactly the kind of thing that I want to direct. Right. Yeah. Which I feel very lucky to be in the position now where people are approaching me to direct things that are in my wheelhouse. It's not like somebody came to me and said, yeah, we want to do a music video and it's like band performance and we just need some, you know, beautiful women around cars or something like that. So like, this is cool. And so immediately I thought of Ulrich and I thought if Ulrich says yes to this, then I'm fully in. If he says no, I'll probably pass because I have no idea how I'd pull this off without somebody like Ulrich. What world did you think we would be in that I would say no to doing this with you? (laughs) I thought there was a really good chance because I thought the money would scare you. Oh, really? Well, yeah. yeah. I thought you'd see that money and be like, no, dude, there's no way. Well, it's $2,000 more than we made our last movie for, so I don't know. It seemed, seemed good to me. I was like, ah, yeah, this is fine. One day shoot, no problem. I think you were on a shoot the day that I sent you the email, and you ended up, we were texting about something. You said, oh, by the way, I'm in on the music video. Oh, yeah. I was like, right. all right, well, I guess this is happening. Yeah, I didn't really look at it for a long time because I was that was like during my busy week where I was like shooting like three or four days a week or whatever. So like I, I didn't really get a good chance to sit down with it. And then when you sent me the dates and you're like, oh, these are the dates because you're like, oh, it's 
it's due in April sometime. I was like, oh, April, we have so much time. And then you sent me the dates and it was like, oh, shit, like you're gone from like, <laughs> you know, six weeks or whatever or eight weeks. And then the band isn't available till this day. And then they're not available that day. And suddenly it was like, oh, Jesus, we only have like these like two weekends that we can possibly shoot. And it, and it suddenly became yeah. like, oh, my God, like we have to do this right now. Like we have no time, you know, so. Sort of fun. I know that was nice too that they gave us a, a due date, but it was kind of far off in the future. But then, yeah, once we got into the schedule and saw all the conflicts, like, oh, well, we got to shoot this in like three weeks or four weeks. And so we better get started. So we spent like you and I had spent a week just putting together all the pieces and then went to the band and said, all right, here's how we would spend your money. And got them to sign off on it right away. That that was a week ago. Right. And then immediately the same day when we get them to sign off of it, I was like, yeah, can I get a thousand dollars like right now? So, so we can start building this time machine because we need it built. Like, you know, there was like time conflicts with the, with the art department as well. Like they weren't going to be around the whole time before the shoot. So it's like they had to build it. It's like already built now, basically. Like it's like 90, 80%, 90% done. And, uh, yeah. So it was just really crazy. And I was like, Oh yeah, nice to meet you. Can you give me some money like today? And, uh, <laughs> and they were so great. They did it. And that was awesome. So the thing, the thing that's been in the back of my head this whole time is knowing that we were going to go on the podcast at some point and talk about it. And then I was kind of thinking what is going to be helpful for people to hear. And I think it's like, how do you start a project like this? Like you get an email, it has a general story idea in it and a budget our budget was five thousand dollars and you have a timeline like how does a director and a producer like sit down and like start figuring it out and normally you would write like a treatment and you would kind of figure yourself out from there but i thought that it was important to have a location before we started writing the story because i was worried that if i wrote this elaborate story and then tried to find a location to fit it that it would be really frustrating yeah. We, because we didn't have a lot of money, I had to do kind of the Robert Rodriguez thing where it's like, find what we do have and then write a story to that. Yeah, because I guess in my memory, I thought that you had all this reference imagery already. But then I now I remember oh, yeah. you didn't really That's start right. doing that until we kind of knew that we were going to shoot at the 16th Street Station, right? That like kind of came secondary sort of, right? Or Yeah, well, I, I knew there were some basic pieces that I was going to have to figure out. Like one of them was what does the time machine look like? Right. And also general sense of like where I wanted to spend the money. So I, I knew that a big portion of what we were going to spend was going to be on a location. And, and in the past, just like based off of my own experience, I know that if you find a really good location, like that's going to increase the production value like so much if you shoot in a crappy location you 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 would have to spend a lot of money to make it look good but if you walk into a location that's already like set up and ready to shoot in then you know you get a lot for your money so i thought if we could spend a thousand dollars on a look a really cool looking location then already our video is going to feel like it costs five times more so i thought right. that was a good place to start and then from there I, I knew that it would just be a matter of like, what do we have to spend on everything else? So that, like the first thing that we did when we sat down that I really appreciated you doing with me as a producer was saying, all right, Timothy, how do you want to spend this money? Right, right. Like, yeah, yeah, that was the first question. Because it's like, you know, when you have any amount of money, it's like you could you use it in so many different ways. And uh, you kind of had a pretty good idea of where you wanted it to go from the beginning. And uh, it was all like, you know, location and art basically. And then you're like, yeah, a little bit for the other stuff, but like, you're mainly like, that's where you wanted to put the money. And I think that's really smart. You want to put the money in, in front of the camera and yeah. not behind the camera. Yeah. Like, like if you don't have cool stuff to shoot, then it doesn't matter like how fancy your camera is or how big your lights are or any of that stuff. Like, like the most important thing. I, I've just learned over time to, yeah, like location is like so, so crucial. Like a good location makes all the difference in any kind of shoot, whether it be a stupid interview or a movie. If you have a nice location, you know. Yeah. So we were looking for uh, a location that was like dilapidated, that looked like it had been around for a long time and just like <laughs> abandoned. Yeah. And then it, it like takes place in the future and like these three friends are squatting in this abandoned place and building this time machine so we started down the path of like looking for uh, a big warehouse space um and then 
I think what became difficult is anything that looks really abandoned is usually like condemned and it's hard to right. get into. So to find like a place that is managed by somebody that's a lot going to allow you to come in and shoot was the hardest thing to figure out. But in San Francisco, we have like quite a few places with like really old buildings, like the Presidio is filled with them. But what sucks about the Presidio is like they have a lot of those old buildings but like you said, they're all like condemned, basically. So <laughs> right. they're like the oh, ones yeah. that we want to get in. They're like, oh, it's got asbestos. Sorry, I, I, I don't know if she told if you heard, but she was telling like our location manager for the Presidio was like telling me about this prison they have. This like amazing prison what? that's like run down and completely dilapidated and like just the gorgeous cinematic prison in the Presidio. But yeah, it's like you'd need ten thousand dollars to. Uh, to clean it out in order to like go in there. She's like, I don't even step in there. And like, no one's been in there in like five years. So like, it's just completely <laughs> left on its own. So it's like, Oh my God, like that's amazing. That's like, amazing. like if I had a big budget, I would totally like, you know, be like, yeah, I want to pay $10,000 to, to, you know, fumigate that place and uh, go in there and shoot something. That'd be amazing. Yeah. But, that'd uh, be so cool. Yeah. So that was our challenge. And then like, because, and then if you can't find like the, the place that you can, legally get into then you have to make this decision like do we want to hop the fence and go try to like steal a location and there's like a, a there's one location that you had shot zombie versus drone at right that was like that kind of location yeah so we ended up kind of at a hybrid like lucky for us um hemingway and gellhorn was an hbo movie that came through town at one point and they went into the 16th street station, which was an abandoned train station and did some work in there to shoot and then just left it. And the, the property manager now rents it out for, um, for things like this, for shoots and for events, yeah, and weddings, you know, uh, parties. Like I actually, I, I shot a party there in December for, um, survey monkey and uh, they had like a huge holiday party there. And I was there like with, you know, just shooting whatever stupid event B-roll. And uh, it was like a super amazing place. So I knew that it was really like, I don't know, just like a perfect place to shoot a music video. And then Timothy actually, before I even brought it up, Timothy brought it up to me as an option. And I was like, oh yeah, like that's like the best place in the world. Like we, sh But I thought it was too nice looking because the party I went to, they had like, brought in all these other things like all this like other equipment that didn't belong there so i kind of thought that like oh yeah it was like totally renovated but then it turns out it wasn't <laughs> yeah it does look pretty dilapidated it's not like super disgusting and dirty but it's it's enough that it gets you kind of that patina of age right uh, it's like a shortcut and it looks just really the, the space is massive and it's just really spectacular just on its own so it's like you put actors in that space and already we're like 90% of the way there and like getting a cool look. And plus that the great thing about that space is there's multiple locations right. inside that compound. So not only is there the station itself, but in the back of the station, there's like a place underneath the old railroad tracks that is all graffitied up that looks old. Um, there's also like this warehouse space. So yeah, once we decided on that, it was a lot easier for me to concept a story knowing that like these are the production constraints these are the three locations I have access to. And so I could build the story around those. Yeah. It's like three locations in one. Plus it's like you have complete control. It's a gated location. You know, you just have a security guard at the door. It's just really easy for a lot of reasons, you know? So yeah, it's pretty exciting. I think the, the thing to learn from this is, and I've said this many times too before that being a director is also being part producer, which is why like, I really appreciated you asking me like, how do you want to spend this money? Because I think like right. a director should be able to answer that to some degree, right? Well, yeah. I mean, is that saying that I guess you, as a director, you don't normally are involved in those things at all, right? Like there's no, there's no discussion to budget with you in general. Well, right? there, there is, I think when a, when we're, when I'm bidding a job, like I, I need to know where the money's being spent. And I don't know if that's just me, but I like, I want to know like that we're putting money into the right places. And mm -hmm. like, like I said, should go as much in front of the camera as possible. And so the things that I'm always pushing for are those, those kind of things. Like let's make sure we have enough to pay for a good location and we have enough for casting actors if we're casting actors. And if I need wardrobe, like that we have enough money in there to pull that off. So like it is talking to the producer and telling them where are the places I think that we should spend more money and where are the places I feel like I can sacrifice and, on my milk job, um, Jefferson 
definitely ran stuff past me before he presented oh really oh cool agency. nice yeah awesome. to make sure that like we i was comfortable and that i had everything that i needed because yeah like the worst thing to happen is like you would go into production and ask for something that's not budgeted right 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 yeah you want to make sure right. that it's uh, that you can get all the things you want right yeah so if i'm like imagining a bunch of dolly shots and then that's not budgeted and i can't get a dolly then that would be like a a terrible situation, right? Right, right. Yeah. I mean, so I guess that's just sort of normal because that, that's what I always do whenever I'm producing anything is I always, you know, just try to figure out like, you know, how the team wants to best, you know, use the budget that we have, you know, and like what they're thinking. And then like, I can, you know, give my opinion and like say, oh, this is what I think we should do, you know, but like, at least I know like where their heads are at. So, you know, I'm not like overstepping any bounds or anything, but that that's usually because, in, in the situations where I've been in, it's like the director is generally hiring me or the one who's paying for it. So it's like, you know, it's like kind of their budget anyways. And they're also a producer in a way, usually. So <laughs> right. I don't know. I don't know. It's a, a, probably a little bit different than like what a lot of producers deal with. But I think every every production is different, too. Like the, if you think about how we did Over My Dead Body versus this in Over My Dead Body, the location was a lot less important. And we, right. I think we just agreed right away that we'll just find a location for free. Like we'll ask everyone that we know that has a house and, and just pick the best house that we have. And I think we, we, we said, let, it's about a zombie. So let's put a good chunk of money into making that zombie look right. Cause if right. the zombie doesn't look right. The whole thing falls apart. Right. It's interesting. Cause it's not to say the location wasn't important in that it was like, we, we just felt confident. And easy to find. Yeah. Well, I just think that between us and our connections and the, and the producers on board, we felt like we have enough people that we should be able to find a good looking house between all of right. us, you know? Um, and that we like, don't have yeah, to pay for that. Right. That we shouldn't have to pay for the house in, in, in general. I mean, I know a lot of productions do pay for houses. And like, if you want a specific type of house, you should, you, you you're going to have to pay for it, you know, in a lot of cases. But for us, I thought like, yeah, it's like we, we needed a zombie to look good. So it's like, yeah, that's where we're going to put our butt, our money into the zombie. And then like, yeah, the house will we'll, we'll make that happen, you know. And then it worked out yeah. really well in that in that situation. It did. So I think on this one, it's like, OK, we have five thousand dollars to make a science fiction story. Right. And so my head the whole time was just trying to figure out, like, how do we get a science fiction look without a lot of money? And it's like. We have a time machine, so let's make sure the time machine looks super cool and badass because that's going to be something that shows up in a lot of shots. Yeah. And then the other idea I had was just like any shortcuts we could use to get there. Um, and so lens flares and like anamorphic lens flares specifically to me seem like a, a nice shortcut to get to that sci-fi look. Right. And so I recommended early on, like, let's try to get anamorphic lenses so we could get that look and have like this really, I thought at the time like cheap shortcut, but it sounds like anamorphic lenses <laughs> no, are they're, not as cheap they're, as I thought. They're hope pretty that they expensive, especially if you want to get good <laughs> ones. Um, and like originally, I was like, oh yeah, with this budget, we're not paying anybody. Like, oh yeah, we'll be able to like you know find some money for anamorphic lenses. And then I guess originally, I was like wanting to rent an Alexa as well, so we could like actually have the four by three sensor that that fit fit the anamorphic lenses. But uh, but yeah, now we can barely. I don't even know if we're gonna be able to afford the anamorphic lenses. And we got an additional thousand dollars for the budget too. And even with that, it's it's still looking tough. And I mean, and that's just because location, like was more expensive than we, when we thought was going to be not, not too much more. It's, it's pretty close to what I had estimated, but then like, you know, our department needed a little bit more, uh, you know, there's just like all these other areas that needed a little bit more, needed a little bit more. And then suddenly you're like, Oh geez, um, I'm up against it, but, uh, I I'm still comfortable, com confident that it's going to work out fine and, and be, um, you know, within our budget. And, uh, and I think we're still going to be able to get the anamorphic lenses. I just have to do a lot of sweet talking and I got to wait for my voice to get better. And then I can like actually have a decent conversation <laughs> on the phone. <laughs> do the real sweet talking yeah because i can't really sweet talk people like hey uh you know i need a free lenses uh, blah. yeah i'll, I'll wait you're gonna call people you don't know that well no i'm gonna call people i know well but i mean you know i, I don't want to like be like yeah i mean i don't know the the, e the easier and clearer they can understand me the the better the conversation's gonna go you know uh if they're if they're having a hard time understanding what i'm trying to say or if i sound scary 
or or not or they don't know who I am. Like, you know, I could call somebody who I know and they'd be like, Oh, who is this? or whatever or you know, like is this better if I sound like me to to do those conversations. Right. Um but yeah, I liked what you said earlier about like, what, how do you start with a music video? And, uh, I, I wanted to like talk about that a little bit because yeah, we start with location and then like you started thinking about the elements that we needed to make this really stand out. But I mean, I, I thought it was interesting because it's like from where, where I started on my end is kind of where I would normally start, even if I was directing it. But then you do a lot of different things that I don't necessarily do and you do them really well. Like you put together a lot of presentations, you know, like, reference art, um, location art, like you, you put a deck together to entice the cinematographer to come on board. Um, you put deck decks together for the band. Um, you put like a story deck together, a shot list de- deck together. You like are constantly making these <laughs> a decks. Lot of decks. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I think it's really helpful because it really shows visually like what you're trying to accomplish. And it really communicates clearly to all the, um, the crew members, like what we're trying to do. Cause like, you might not know this, but I, I use your decks all the time. Like I send them to like, I mean, the art department gets them. I mean, the gaffer, I sent them to the gaffer so he could kind of see what we're trying to do. Like I just use them yeah. when I'm trying to like entice people to come on the project or if they have questions, it's like, oh yeah, check out this deck the director made. It's like, it's really an easy way to like communicate information um, that people can understand without actually having to write an email. That's like just a bunch of words, you know? Um, yeah. So I don't know that that's something I've already been doing more of anyways in my own work is like making these decks, but I think it's something I'm going to start doing more of like when I'm doing my next directing project is just like, you know, use reference material and make little presentations. Cause I think it's really helpful, you know, it is so helpful. Like, I don't know. I'm not, hundred percent sure how it works behind the scenes but i have a sense that by giving it all this information to people that it gets everyone on the same page without me having to like sit down and have an hour-long conversation and like it, right. it and i do imagine like the reason i make it is because i do imagine that it's being referred to often and so rather than you having to like refer to some note that i told you like in person you can just pull out the deck that i wrote and be like what what did he say again about that like oh yeah that's right okay cool i forget things that i said often so like for me it's also helpful too because then i can always have this document to refer back to and say you know where what was i thinking here and then oh right okay so that it reminds me and cues me and where where my head was at Because a lot of times I'll figure things out and then I'll just forget what I figured out. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's important. Oh, it's yeah, good. totally. Um, the hardest part is finding images. Oh, yeah. Like, especially if you're trying to do something that's never been done before, which is like what frustrates me the most about these decks is like if I can find an image for it, I immediately start thinking, oh, man, this has been done before. But, like, but, you, but you're also like kind of like you're like, <laughs> it's going to be kind of like this. It's going to be sort of in the same feeling as this like it's not like you're gonna do shot for shot like what these other movies did or whatever um but yeah it's funny because like on the just shoot it guys they on an episode they talked about this like how to get like really uh great stock photos or reference photos really quickly and i guess there's some website or app they use to like pull stock photos for for their decks um but i mean i don't know stock photos are i don't know do you like using stock photos or do you just like using movie references I I find that the best stills are always from a movie. Mm. And so usually I'll be sitting there trying to think of like a movie where I saw a shot similar to that. And that's so hard. Like there's iconic images that are like floating in all of our heads. And you're like, all right, well, where did I see that before? Like, um, I need a shot of two people holding a door shut while monsters on the other side are trying to push through. Like, I know I've seen that. I've seen that like a million right, times. Right, but like, right. what what movie was that? And you can't just like go and Google and type like monsters, door, people. Like you'll just get a bunch of weird stuff. So you have to find the specific movie and type in that movie name and then like, you know, go through a bunch of photos before you can find it. Right, right. So yeah, it's the hardest part. This is probably like the most frustrating thing about those decks is like finding those photos. But I feel like if you can find a bunch of photos that just fit into the world that you're seeing, it just gives everyone like a reference for like the direction that you're headed in. And I feel like one thing I really like about the decks that I created for this project, and I'll be happy to share them um, once the music video is out, is that 
they all they're all living in the world that I'm hoping to achieve. It's like I I tried very hard not to pull pictures that just represented, you know, the idea, but also pull pictures that represented the look. Right, right. Yeah, no, I think you did a good job. Like it, it's very clear, I think, when you look at your materials, like your your vision's clear or it comes out, you know, in in those those images. I mean, and it's hard to say that without actually seeing the finished piece because it's like oh it does is the vision the same or yeah. you know or what is in your head but like will it translate but i i think i think it's there you know and i think it, w- it works really well um one thing i wanted to say was uh the first of these lookbooks i ever saw was the one that you did for uh over my dead body like back when we first met and i never really looked at um a pitch book or a lookbook before and you had made one for for that project and i remember thinking like yeah some of these images are from movies that i know but then some of them are from movies i don't know and like that like look really cool and awesome but like kind of didn't really have that iconic feel to them so i kind of thought that was smart too that you'd pulled images that like were really moody and like communicated your ideas but then also weren't like super recognizable at the same time and i don't know if you did that on purpose or if that was just like the images that you found or if you can even remember but uh but i thought that was interesting i think so much of the time like what the images that i'll find just have to do with movies that i recently saw so i I know when i put that deck together i just recently saw the pact Mm. and so i i just looked at stills from the pact and i was like oh this is like roughly the world that i wanted to create with that movie and so it was it was nice because i could go through that movie and pull a bunch of stills that i felt like fit in the world i was trying to achieve Interesting. Well, that makes sense because I've never seen the pact, so that's why they weren't familiar to me. <laughs> so, I would say probably sixty to seventy percent of the stills in that deck are from the pact. Wow. And and we'll. I mean, we. And put... it just happened to be at the time I saw it, and as I and and I remembered it be, being like roughly the look that I was going for. Yeah. And yeah. then this one, what am I pulling for this one? Oh, this one's funny because uh, the time machine reference. There's a few stills for the time machine reference that came from the commercial job that I'm working on now and one of the director's reels I've been looking at for that. Oh, and really? Like, I kind of remembered. Yeah, the machine that we built is very similar to something I saw in a director's reel. Oh, that's funny. Nice. Yeah. So it's like, it's all just kind of based off of like what I've been consuming at the time. Mm. Well, we'll we'll put the Over My Dead Body um, deck onto this uh, show notes too, just so you can see it. And then, yeah, when the music video is done, we'll put all those decks out for people to see too. Um, but I have a, I have a question. So like for this music video, like what are you struggling with mainly? Like what's your biggest struggle at this point or during the whole process? Visualizing it. Oh yeah. Like bringing it to life. That's funny. And, and doing it in a way that I feel like is going to make up for uh, the mistakes of the spirit machine. <laughs> you're you're carrying, carrying that around. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. There's so many overlaps with this video in the spirit machine that um, I'm really, really scared. I'm just going to redo the spirit machine, like both from just a, a lazy director perspective, but also just like be that I'll be very disappointed in the end. It's like, I learned nothing. I, I learned nothing from the spirit machine. And this is just as shitty as that. Like that's my, that's kind of what I'm struggling with right now. Oh, that's it's so like funny. Trying to, trying to do it better. So it's, it's, it's more of like an emotional struggle, I guess, at this point. And I think once we get to the tech scout and, and figure things out, I'll either feel better about it or I'll feel like I need to continue working on it. We'll see. Yeah, nice. How about well, you? What what's your biggest struggle? Oh man, well, t- t- scheduling. I guess honestly, like timing and scheduling is is the biggest uh, struggle for me, just because everyone's schedules are flux fl- fluctuating all the time, and uh, you know, like like literally, like we're we're basically gonna finish this episode, and then we're gonna rush out to a tech scout, uh, you know, in like two hours, and uh, you know, we basically originally we were going to do the text guide on Friday. Not everybody could do it on Friday. Then we lost the band for Friday. And then like yesterday at our meeting with the DP, our first meeting with the DP, he was like, well, what about tomorrow? And then I like text everybody at the meeting and everyone can do tomorrow. And so at like five o'clock, I like email the location and I'm like, Hey, can we do the meeting tomorrow? And then like, Basically, not until just this moment did I get 100% confirmation that we can do the tech scout at 10 a.m. So, like, I had already, like, told everybody that it's going to happen. And I was, like, just kind of crossing my fingers that I wouldn't, like, fall apart. And now it's going to happen. So, like, 
that kind of thing is crazy. Like, cause it's like, you know, like that's not really how it should be. Like you shouldn't be scheduling a tech scout, like less than eight hours before it's going to happen. But in, in this project right. where like there's, everyone's got paid jobs and everyone's got like lots of things going on. Like that's just the way it has to go. And like, we're just, it's like, I feel like constantly up against it with everyone's schedules, but uh, I'm really happy that it worked mm-hmm. out this way and that we're shooting like, um, well over a month before the video is due. So I think it's due like mid, mid April and we're going to have it in yeah. the can, like by the end of the third of March. So like, that's so awesome. Cause like me and you we're we're, we're doing post together on this. Like we don't have a post-production team really. So it's like going to be on to us. And I think primarily me to edit it because you're going to be gone in South Africa. <laughs> so I'm going to be like editing it and sending you cuts. And then you'll be maybe working on it a little bit as if you can over the weekends and then going back and forth. But, uh, but yeah, it's going to be really nice to have that month to get it done and especially to coordinate all the visual effects shots. Cause I know you say they're going to be two, but I bet there's going to be at least five, um, probably right. in the end. So, uh, yeah, so five yeah. isn't bad. I think five no, is doable. No, it's not so bad. As soon as we, yeah, I think if we start getting into more than that, it might, it might turn into a nightmare, but yeah, we're going to have yeah. to, we I mean, don't have we'll, any money we'll for VFX, so we're going to have to beg for those shots. But I think between the two of us, we know enough people that we can like maybe get one person to do one shot, another person to do another shot or, or just find one person who can do them all and, and we owe them a big favor or something like, I don't know. Yeah. Or break it into like separate pieces, like have somebody do roto and somebody design the portal and then somebody do like compositing or you know we'll, we'll figure out something yeah but I, I feel like five shots is if i had five shots in the spirit machine it wouldn't have taken me that long oh no well you had how many like 140 <laughs> or something like that i think it's like a hundred uh, I, I think i've been counting it as 150 i don't know if that's true but yeah something like that well that's crazy um yeah it's just dumb yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's not dumb. It's just your vision. It's like what you wanted to do. And I think... It's- well, the dumb part was it was my vision, but like I couldn't fulfill my vision because I had to like... Eventually, there's so many shots, I just had to start making compromises. And like the thing that kills me is when I'm criticized for certain of the visual effects shots and I'm just like fuck well they are what they are like i wish they were better too but <laughs> right. you know man like right i i couldn't i couldn't spend like another year or two years or thirty thousand dollars just to make those few shots look better and fuck it whatever that movie sucks it doesn't suck it. it doesn't suck <laughs> it's 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 so a, over you it. know so over that movie i just feel like you know you went for such a big like grand vision and like the grand visions there like you have all the pieces for like this really like you know big 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 budget uh to like to prove that you can do a big budget movie because that was like your whole point was like to prove that you could handle the scope of a big budget movie and i think the proof is there you know um i mean it's definitely more big budget and cinematic than any of my movies mine are all very very indie feeling you know um, right. Which is like purposeful because I mean, that's all I can do. Right. But, uh, I didn't <laughs> right, have a hundred thousand dollars. Um, you know, but, uh, anyways, uh, let's go back to the music video. Um, so yeah, I mean, what I wanted to know, well, here, let, let's, 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 let's answer this question. Like, so we're doing this music okay. video, you know, this email comes in, um, you know, it's like low budget. It's a big, big vision. It's a big, like, thing that we're trying to accomplish for like no money um what like why why do you even want to do this music video and like what are you hoping to get out of it i like i like feeling that that i'm working like like i like that i'm (laughs) doing stuff to like keep adding to my reel i think my biggest fear is that my reel stays the same for more than a year and so when i see an opportunity like this where if it turns out well, it would be a really awesome real piece and it fits really well into the world that I'm, I've been creating. Like, this is like a no brainer to me. Like if, if I can pull this off, this is a great thing to put on my reel. Um, so for me, it's like, I'm always kind of thinking about real pieces mm-hmm. and like, what, what can I do to keep contributing to that and make it feel like something like is fresh and new and coming out. And, and I also like doing this stuff. So yeah, I guess that's it. How about you? Um, well, I, I don't know. I guess it's just to, to create, to create something, you know? And, uh, and like, I, I really had such a great experience, um, producing that Korean American movie, uh, last mm-hmm. summer, but like, God knows when that's going to get released anywhere. Like, you know, it, it hasn't really been doing so well on the festival circuit. And, um, you know, I don't know 
what the director is going to plans are for like putting it online if it doesn't get into any film festivals. So, I mean, I don't know, like his last movies never got released basically. So I'm just like, I'll, I'll put it out online if he doesn't want to, like, I'll just release it, you know, like, <laughs> and, and put it under my Brussels productions and be like, yeah, produced by me, directed by, you know, um, Bailey Kim, you yeah. know, like I'm going to put it out into the world if he doesn't. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I guess it's, it's just to do another project to produce something else. Um, and, uh, make something cool, do it with you. Like, I mean, I think a big part of it is like you, you asked me and I had a fun time making over my dead body. So I was like, yeah, let's do it again. Like, that'll be really awesome. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, obviously like the concept, like as soon as you say time travel, time machine, um, you know, (laughs) like we're in, you kind of got me right. Like, even if I'm not directing, like I, I like just to bring something like that to life is really exciting. And, uh, yeah. you know, I think like, I really like that you didn't say in your answer to like what you're hoping for. It was like, oh yeah, for it to hit big and go viral and whatever, because, <laughs> you know, like, like we all want that to happen, but like that can't be the goal behind making something like this. Cause no matter how cool it is, no matter, um, you know, how well we execute on our vision or your vision, um, you know, we're not gonna, you can't control that, you know, like, like who knows how many people are going to see it. Um, so I think, oh, yeah, I, well, and, and, and with all the experience that we've had of releasing movies over the, over the years, I just feel like, yeah, you can't predict that. Like, uh, there may be only 200 people will ever see this. Right. That's just, that's a reality. Like, yeah. So I'm just trying to do the best I can. And, and I think, and for me, it's like when I sit around for too long, I start worrying that I'm never going to work again, that right. I'm never going to direct again. And like, and, and, and a lot of a lot of me directing is counts on me to like put together my own projects. So to like have a project come in and somebody say, do you want to direct this? Like that's exciting too. It's like to, to be a, a director for hire and not just like be doing my own project. Right. So like I, it, to me, it like validates me as a filmmaker. Like I can come on this podcast proudly and say, I'm still a filmmaker guys. I'm making a movie and not just talking about it. Yeah. Like, you know, anytime anybody wants, wants us to direct, I think that that's like, you know, an amazing thing, you know? And, uh, like, I, I don't know if I talked about it on the podcast, but I had the same thing happen to me in, uh, in January or December. Somebody came to me and was like, Oh, uh, here's a short film that I want you, that you can direct. And I met with the producer and we had all the whole thing and then it all fell apart, you know? And, uh, I mean, God, that would have been so great to direct a short film, um, in, in January. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, so, yeah, what I'm trying to say is I totally understand that, like, that need to just jump on a project if, if you get the opportunity to direct it. But, like, the, the thing with this one, it's so special because not only is it, like, a just something for you to direct, it's, like, the perfect project for, for you to direct. It's, like, spy, sci-fi, time travel, um, you know, just, like, it's all within your wheelhouse of storytelling. So, um, yeah, it's kind of awesome. And, I mean, in mine, too, right? So, it's, like you know, kind of, we're like perfect team to do this together. Cause like, it's like right up the alley for both our interests, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's what's exciting about it. So I'm happy. And then I feel like I don't sometimes sit back and think about how many opportunities I've been, I'm, I'm starting to get, I, I think for many, many years, I was frustrated because I wasn't getting any opportunities. And now it's like, they're not coming super often, but they're, if I just do a few projects a year, I think, that's I'll be satisfied. I don't have to be like working every single moment of every single day as a director. Like part of what I enjoy too is just the time off and and writing and thinking about the scripts that I want to do and and also just knowing that I'm not so tied up in directing commercials and short films and music videos that I have I have time to dream about the the feature film because I think that that I can easily get distracted with this other stuff like just working on this music video i have no brain power left to think about the feature film that i'm writing just a, just a little note on that like for for me like i've been you know i have two short films out there or three short films out there and uh i really haven't had anybody really come to me and say hey can you direct this project like that that one short thing didn't happen um you know and i, I guess i had another opportunity but anyways it doesn't really happen very often for me and uh and it's not happening right now. And what I wanted to say was, 
like just because it's not happening for me, like doesn't mean that like I need to quit or I'm a failure or anything, you know, like I just need to keep on making movies in, in one way or another. And I also wanted to say, it doesn't mean that I have to run out and have my, and like make my own short project come like happen on my own or like fundraise to do another short film or fundraise to do a, a music video or whatever. Like, like I feel like as long as I'm working towards making films in one way or another, like it, I'm still validated as a director. So like, even if I spend like a year trying to fundraise for the alternate and trying to make that movie happen and I don't direct anything between now and like this time next year, I, I'm not, I, sh- I shouldn't feel like I'm any less of a director than if I had made a short film or two short films in that same time period. And I think that's like a feeling I'm trying to fight. But like in order to make a feature, I, I think I, I can't just fall into that trap of like, I have to be directing something physically because if I keep on doing that, like the feature will never get made. Um, That's true. So I don't know. I just wanted to like, you know, like it's really awesome, you know, that you're getting, you have this opportunity and like, you know, you're seeing these directing projects come to you, but I just want to like make sure for everybody else out there who may not have those things happening to them, like including myself, <laughs> that it's okay. Like, and if you don't direct something for like even a couple of years um, and you're just working on trying to raise money and get your big project going, like that's not a problem. Like that's just what it takes to get that, that movie made. So I, I just want to encourage people not to like get down if they haven't directed something re- lately. Cause I mean, and this is also just a pep talk, pep talk for myself because I haven't directed anything um, in like a year. So, you know. Um, oh, wow. Has it been that long already? Yeah, since yeah. Uh, The Rage. So, Time flies. So, yeah. I mean, but that's okay. Like, you know, like like a Stuart Smiley thing. Like, you know, that's okay. Like, you're still good, whatever he says. I have a, a freak out pretty much every year at the same time. It's roughly in, in January where I really question everything that I'm doing and like, is being at the agency and being a producer like the right thing to do or do I really need to just like make the leap and be directing full time to like reach my full potential and it's like such a always such a hard question to answer because when you're when you're dealing with the unknowns of like what's on the other side of like making the leap and you don't really know what that's like it's hard to make that leap it's easier to stay in the comfort of where you're at right so i'm so comfortable in my job that it's I I find myself every year just justifying being there and like justifying like the experience that I'm getting as an agency producer and then also saying and I I did all these projects during that time like last year I directed all those commercials and this year I'm doing a music video already and well yeah, I think that's like but that's just it you know yeah I guess where I'm at with it this year and like kind of just like having the experience of directing some stuff last year is. I I am satisfied with just doing a few things every year. I know like the beginning of this podcast, I was really, you know, talking up like, would I rather be producing commercials or directing commercials? And I guess the answer is, um, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that much to me, like one way or the other. I feel like I learned so much, like the stuff that I've learned as an agency producer, like I, I keep applying that stuff to my personal projects. Oh yeah, totally. So it's just a, different experience so i and it's hard for me to say that one is stronger than the other and yeah maybe directing is gonna help me more but it's hard to say at the same time like i feel like when you try to evaluate like all the different paths that you could take it becomes pretty daunting and i think the where i always kind of end up is like what makes me happy like what do i feel like happy on a day-to-day basis doing and right now like I feel like I have a pretty good work-life balance. Right. And I I don't feel like I'm like that hungry to to change it. And I feel satisfied. So, well, I mean, you're also shortchanging yourself a little bit because like, you know, last year, like you mentioned that you directed four commercials. I mean, like we just talked to Plumber Strauss last week and they directed like what, eight last year? And they're like full-time directors. So like if you're a full-time agency producer and you directed half the amount of projects that they did in the same year, it's like, you're not doing so bad. That's like pretty great. And then you're also writing a feature at the same time. Last year, you completed Mm -hmm. a feature project, uh, a script that you didn't, didn't really write, but like you sort of commissioned. So like you... You, yeah. you had that whole experience. Um, and, and I mean, you know, I kind of feel like as long as you're working towards your creative goals uh, all the time consistently, I, I mean, it doesn't really matter, like, you know, like how much you're doing or like what you're doing for your day job. But as long as you're consistently pushing those projects forward and you're, you're making, uh, 
you know, like steady progress. I mean, that's, that's awesome. That's amazing. You know? Like, yeah. But I guess it's hard to measure progress. And especially when you think about the 10,000 hour rule and like how many hours you put towards your craft. It's like if I'm not directing, then I'm not putting my hours towards directing and therefore theoretically I'm not getting better at directing. Yeah. But, but you're doing things that are like within that. I think like when you're promoting a short film that you, that you release when you're like doing the spirit machine, like finishing and, and releasing spirit machine, like that's towards your 10,000 hours as a director in my mind, you know, like, like yeah. just cause like, I don't think I you have to be being on set isn't the only part of being a director. It's like all these other things that you're doing consistently also feed into that 10,000 hours, I think. Well, it's like if if part of being a director is communication, right? Then I spend a lot of time in my day job communicating. And <laughs> right. I have to be a good communicator and I have to be able to talk to clients that have more power than me and people inside my company that have more power than me. Oh, so yeah. all that experience, even though it's not like directly tied to directing, I feel like does pertain to directing and like dealing with people pertains to directing. So that's where I start getting confused. Like, you know, part of me feels guilty that I'm not like just directing full time. And like, I'm the, the Steven Spielberg and I'm doing TV movies and building up towards jaws. But at the other, (laughs) on the other hand, like that's not where I ended up. I didn't, I didn't go to school in LA. I didn't end up in LA. I didn't end up on the studio lot. I ended up at an ad agency and I'm trying to make the most of that experience. And like, I, I kind of think of like where you end up and the path that you go on. You, it's, you have to, and you, we always say this, right? You got to just like stay in your own lane. And it's easy to like get distracted by all the other stories that you hear and like all the, the people in different lanes in you and think, oh, I got to be in that lane to be successful. But yeah, you can find a way to look at the lane you're in and see the benefits of being in that lane and how that the how that's going to make you a different kind of filmmaker like make maybe that's the key is that i'm a i'm a very different filmmaker because of my agency experience and good or bad that's just that's just who i am and yeah. that's going that's going to pertain to everybody i think we should stop comparing ourselves to directors from the 70s and 80s <laughs> because or even the 90s because right that's that era is over yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work that way anymore. Like I don't even feel like you could right. even point to a modern day filmmaker who is a, the equivalent to Spielberg or any of those people, you know, cuz just Yeah, film, film. but that's I guess I grew up dreaming of being in that that kind of system and like But you got to like, let like, that go you know, cuz that doesn't exist anymore. I know. It's hard you know? though. Like when you it's it's hard to like let that go when that's like the thing that's been driving you for 20 or 30 years well movies are just getting made in such a different way now i just kind of feel like if you're making movies in any form you're 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 doing it you know and like maybe you're not gonna have the success of spielberg maybe you're not gonna play sundance maybe you're not gonna you know get into those different clubs at these different film festivals but uh but if you're making your movies and and you're getting them out into the world and at least some people are seeing them i think that's pretty amazing you know um yeah but like your your question is your question to me yesterday was like you know, directing versus producing, like, right. Like you're, you're always willing to produce other people's projects and not just put yourself out there as a director. Like you're kind of willing to take on anything as long as it's relating to related to filmmaking. And I look at you and I just think, well, that's the path that Ulrich's taking. And it makes so much sense when I see you and like your experience and like where, where your experience has led you led you to in your career. Right. And you as a freelance filmmaker kind of are forced to just, take things as they come up <laughs> right. and be open to that. Exactly. I feel like I'm much more closed off because as an agency producer, my experience is very limited and, and it's, it's also easy for me to say like, I'm not going to produce other people's projects when I'm not being asked to. Right. You know, no one's coming to me and saying, Hey, Timothy, do you want to produce? This? I asked you if you wanted to produce, uh, I asked you if you wanted to ever produce something for me and you just said no. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> well, I, I get it. You know, like I understand that makes sense. Um, you know, and, uh, like you wouldn't like, want me to produce for you. Well, I think I probably would. Like, I think you do a way better job than, than you say. And I mean, I feel this way about a lot of people. Like they're like, Oh, I don't know how to produce. Like, yeah, you do. Just do it. You'll, you'll get it. Like, it's fine. You know, and like, I know you yeah. would do a great job. Um, producing for somebody else, but, uh, 
but like, I understand that like, that's not what you want to do. Like you want to, you want to direct and like, you don't really get a joy or satisfaction out of producing for somebody else's vision. And I, you know, our, my friend Isaac Pingree, who was on our show, he's the same way. Mm -hmm. Like he will not produce for somebody else, um, for a creative passion project. Like he just has no interest. If he's not directing, why does he give a damn, you know? And like, I totally, I get that. That's funny. That makes sense. You know, I, for I think I could get into it. If it was the right project, I could see myself getting excited about it. But I, I kind of equate it to some people are really good at going to parties and schmoozing and, <laughs> and making connections. And other people are better at like staying home and, and like being by themselves. Right. 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 If you're the person that, that stays at home being by yourselves and you're like, and you're looking at the person who's at the parties and be like, Oh man, like that's who I need to be. I need to be that person because that person seems to be getting all the opportunities. I think you're missing the point. I think that <laughs> you have to kind of, you have to follow kind of what your heart uh, wants. And I think for me, if it, if you're saying producing versus, you know, not producing like passion projects, I, my, I've never like looked at that as like something that I wanted to do. Like to me, that's going to a party and schmoozing, which I hate doing. That's funny. And like to, and you know, and I just don't, I'm not drawn to it. And I think if I was drawn to it, I would definitely pursue it and I'd figure it out. And I'd probably people would come to me and say, do you want to produce this? Um, so I think there's just a part of you that naturally likes producing yeah. and wants to produce. Well, it's also the right partner, right? Like I, I don't want to just produce for somebody who isn't going to put in as much as I am. Like if I'm going to put in way more work than they are into their own project, um, then it, it's like, well, why am I doing it for you when I could be doing it for myself? Right. But if it's going to be like yeah. a collaboration and a partnership and we're going to create something that I couldn't do on my own or that's like different than what I could do if it was my own project, then that, then that's exciting to me, you know? And, uh, it's interesting. And like working with you, like you work really hard and you put a lot into everything that you do. So it's fun to produce with you. And like, even the one I did with Bailey, um, same kind of thing. Like Bailey works really hard and puts a lot into it. He's very different than you are. And he's very different than I am, but he still like puts in a hundred percent, you know? Um, so that's why it was fun to produce that with him. But like, yeah, whenever I meet with somebody and I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to produce with you or like or I, I talk about like producing a project they're trying to do. It's like if I don't see that they're putting back as much as I'm giving them, then I'm I'm immediately like, maybe this isn't a good idea or maybe I shouldn't do this. You know, um, like I really need to feel that partnership that like that, like uh, that collaboration, you know? Um, yeah, I think I, I have been asked to produce before and it hasn't been the right project because I wasn't I didn't. I wasn't interested in producing just to produce, mm. but I think if I saw a project that I was like, this is awesome. I want to be a, a part of this. Then I would definitely jump on board. So for me, it's going to take like the right project. And so I'll say right now, like I'm, I'm not going to say that I'll never produce for somebody else. I just, I think it's going to take like a special project to get me motivated and excited. Cause I have a hard time getting motivated and excited about projects that I'm directing. Right. Like the first thing I do when I see a, a project is try to figure out a way to say no. Like right. <laughs> this music video comes and I was like, uh, this sounds like so much work. Uh, I hope Ulrich says no. Cause if he says no, that means I haven't helped. <laughs> right. And then he says yes. And they're like, okay, well, I guess we're doing it. Well, there's no way that you couldn't do it. If I, even if I said no and you're like, oh, I'm not going to do it, I'd be like, what? <laughs> you have to do it. This is amazing. <laughs> like just because I, I can't do it. Jeez. It's so much work. It's like, it it's is. so much commitment, you know, and especially like on top of everything else that's going on in my life, creatively, like, do, do I really want to take this on? Like, it's in some ways, I feel like I just need to like, commit to it. And, and then once I commit to it, then I find the passion. Yeah. But thinking about all the work that's going to go into it, there's like this pit in my stomach often where I'm just like, oh, this is going to suck. Yeah. It's going to be so hard. But then once I'm on board, I'm like, all right, this is fun. This is so cool. I'm so glad that I did this, which is how I feel now. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's really, it's a lot of work, man. I mean, I wrote like a hundred emails yesterday. Like we've had a meeting every day this week. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, it's just a ton, a ton of work and a ton of things to manage, but it's also really fun and really exciting. And I think we're going to pull off something really amazing with this thing. So it's just, it's, it's super so. cool, you know? Um, So last couple of things I want to talk about, like, that we sort of skipped over when we jumped to the directing versus producing. But like, I kind of want to know, yeah. like, what, uh, 
like what 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 do you think of me as a producer like what is my style like i don't know like you work with a lot of producers like what is uh i don't know like how am i doing i guess the thing that i appreciate about you is that you ask a lot of questions on the like storytelling and directing side um you don't just take things at face value like you you keep pushing me and asking me things and throwing in your two cents like there's ideas I've already taken from you, which has been awesome. Like I don't have to like be the person that comes up with every single idea. Like I have a creative partner in Ulrich that can tell me, what about this? What about that? And then if I say no to it, you're not hurt and you're not like, right. oh man, you don't like my ideas. Like what? <laughs> like you're, you're willing to just throw it out there and give me your two cents on it and offer your opinion and, and know that I'm going to either take it or not take it and like even okay so for example we went the other day to look at the build of the time machine and i was really distracted because i just came out of like some work stuff that like probably 50 percent of my mind was on and uh Ulrich and the production designer were giving notes on the time machine and i just had to like sit there and listen and just be like yep uh-huh uh yep i didn't have to i didn't have to say anything which was great and like liberating that i had like partners that could say all the things that I would have said had I been in the right mind space to even talk. Right. Like I I love that. I love like finding people that are all on the same page and that we all have like similar sensibilities and we can all just kind of like work towards the same thing. And, you know, surrounding yourself with those people just makes me look better at the end of the day because then it looks like, Oh, Timothy came up with all these ideas. Like, no, I I keep stealing it from everyone. I'm like taking ideas (laughs) from Ulrich. I'm taking ideas from the band. I'm taking ideas from the production designer and, you know, like everyone contributes in their small way. Yeah. I mean, the, the way I look at it is like if we're in a meeting and uh, you're giving your feedback, like I always like make sure that you get your chance to to talk and like that, like everyone's asking questions of each other and that like all the information is being communicated. But then if, if you don't bring up something that I think is going to be an issue or a potential issue, then I'll be like, well, what about this? And Timothy, what do you think? Yeah. And like, you know, present an idea and then get your opinion on it. And then that usually works really well because it's like you either like, oh, I haven't thought of that. Like, that is a good, good question. Like, you know, or you're like, no, that's not a problem. Don't worry about it. And it's like, oh, great. Well, at least now we don't have to even worry about that coming up as an issue because you don't care about it or whatever. You're you're treating me as if I don't have all the answers, which I think is the right way to do it. Like, I think some people might be like, oh, well, you know, I, I don't want to like say anything because, you know he's the director and he probably has thought it through. And that's not true. Like I don't have a hundred percent of all the answers and I haven't thought everything through. And sometimes things that sound good on paper, like if all of a sudden someone like Ulrich questions me about like exactly how does that work? Then I'm like, Oh yeah, you're right. I haven't really thought that through yet. Like I need to figure that part out. Right. It's it, to me, it's all about clarity. So like if, if uh, Timothy writes a story treatment and you know, there's a couple beats in there that like, I'm not a hundred percent clear on. It's like, I'll just ask questions to, to clarify, like, you know, what we're actually going to see. And a lot of the times like Timothy will be like, I'm not sure yet, or I don't know, or like I imagined it this way. And then that that's really helpful because it's like, oh, okay, well, we don't need this prop. We don't need this, this piece or the character doesn't need to have X, you know? So then it's like, it just sort of helps for my producer brain to like know what I need to get for, for the shoot or what I need to provide for everybody by asking those questions. So it's not necessarily like I'm trying to shape the story. It's more like I'm just trying to get clarity to know like what I need to provide, you know? Uh, I think we're out of time. We should wrap this up. We have to go. We have to go to our location scout. Um, We have have work to do. I don't know. Do you want to do share, share corner this week or do you want to skip it? I I don't have anything to share, but if you're excited about the Batman animated series, (laughs) I mean, who who isn't excited about the Batman animated series? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm sure a lot of people have watched this as kids um, in our, in our, our listenership. I I know I did. I watched the Batman animated series growing up and uh, it was like the best. It's the best. It was kind of dark. It's really dark. Yeah. It's super noir and like sort of set in this, like kind of like fifties, fifties ish sort of Gotham city sort of thing. And um, you know, it kind of takes a lot from the movie because it kind of came out right after the, the first movie did or right, right around the same time as uh, uh, Batman returns came out. Um, but uh, it's amazing. It's like one of the best like animated shows of all time. And there is really no other show like it. Cause they had a full orchestra to do the music. Cause it was back in the, oh, in the so day cool. when they like could afford to do that. So it's like, and, and you can just tell like, 
you know, I, I watched this. There's a whole series of these, right? There's like the Batman animated series, the Superman animated series, and then they did a Justice League animated series, and then they did um, a Justice League unlimited animated series. So it went all the way to like 2010 or something. But like, as you go forward in time, the production value goes down because they like had less money and then they went to digital <laughs> and then it like has yeah. a completely different look. And, uh, the last series has like the worst score ever. It's just like a, like rock and roll music. But, um, yeah, the animated series, the original Batman one has like the best orchestra music of, of all. It's like amazing. Um, but uh, anyone who loves DC, like these shows are better than all the movies combined. Like the storytelling in the all the, the series is just absolutely incredible. And like we were really down on the latest series, like the first few episodes of the Unlimited series. We were like, oh, this is kind of stupid. But then we got into like episode four or five and it starts to get really, really good. And some really great sci-fi stories with the Justice League. It's like it's pretty incredible. So everybody who likes DC... Go on Netflix, go on Amazon Prime, watch those shows. Batman Animated Series and the Superman Animated Series are on Amazon Prime. The Justice League ones are on Netflix. So if you have both of those, you're set. So yeah, enjoy. <laughs> That's not like a commercial. Are you getting paid to do this? No, but I just love those damn shows. I mean, I'm sure everyone, I'm sure a lot of people are nerds like me know how good they are. I'm sure Alex Kellerman knows all about this. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Alex, chime in. Do you like these shows? Am I stupid? I don't know. We we have like these these arguments about superhero <laughs> movies on on Twitter and Facebook. And uh yeah. yeah, I'd love to know if he thinks that the animated series are stupid cuz you know, based on some of the other things he said, he might completely disagree with me. Um but anyways, so I'm going to take us out. And unless you have do you have anything to share? No, right? You're you're good? No, I don't. I didn't think about it. So, sorry guys. I you know, everything is awesome. Everything. Just, you know, just go watch stuff. Did everything's you, uh, everything's on Netflix and YouTube and uh, TV. Just watch it. It's cool. <laughs> just watch everything. Great. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, guys. You can check out our website at makingmoviesishard.com where you can find links to the things we talked about on this episode. If you want to get in contact with us, send us an email to podcast at makingmoviesishard.com and uh, ask us a question, make a suggestion for a topic. Um, <clears throat> tell us what we're doing wrong. Tell us what we're doing right whatever you want and we'll share it on the show if you'd like um, you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at MMIH Podcast I'm Alwork B at Alwork B on Twitter and Timothy is at Timothy Plain and if you like the show tell a friend help us get the word out or even leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher that's really helpful or if you don't want to leave a review you can just leave a rating just be like five stars and like no words like that's that's amazing too or or whatever you think I mean hopefully it's five stars hopefully you're not giving us one <laughs> stars that would, that would be bad could be one yeah, I hope. Yes. No, no, please don't. Um, but yeah, thanks, Timothy, for a great show. And uh, yeah. yeah, thank you. Let's let's uh, we'll we'll talk next week. See you in Oakland. Yes, yeah, see you in Oakland. Exactly at West Oakland. 